Okay, we are live. Welcome, welcome, guys. Welcome to episode seven of the Love and Thunder podcast. I'm your host, Dave Lipson. And co-host, Camille leblanc Bezinet. Got some great stuff in store for you today. Some good training and lifestyle knowledge. A little bit of uh, some schmabadaboo talk on the Always. fun stuff. And a bunch of banter. This podcast is brought to you by Thunderbro Training and... Burroughs Fitness. Looking to transform your body, bridge the gap between performance and aesthetics, take your training to the next level, or start winning again Check us out. in the gym. Come find us. We'll help you. If you want to win. Thunderbro.com, ferocefitness.com. We can help you get you there. We got you. Fit for life. Okay. Today, we are going to talk about understanding training volume, frequency, and intensity, when, why, how, and then next up, we're going to talk about sleep hygiene of understanding how to maximize your environment to get the best, deepest sleep. Maybe a little bit of context as to why sleep is so important. Although I think we all know it's, it's important, but really understanding the depth of its importance is sometimes eye-opening. And then finally, uh, we're going to talk about the best legal gummies. Best legal edibles. This subject has got me shadow banned on Instagram for a period of time. Uh, but if you're out there and... Because uh, they've said the T word I said on the Instagram. T. I said uh, T to the H no, to the C. They don't, they don't like it when you say that. But um, this stuff is awesome. It's legal. We're going to give you all kinds of resources and talk about what it is and how we use it. Yes. Uh, but first... Let's get into training, understanding training volume, frequency, and intensity. It's something uh, that I've gotten a lot of questions about. How many days a week should I train? How often should I train? What should my body part split look like? You know, where where do we even start here? Yeah, I know. That's literally, uh, that was about going to be my question. I think understanding uh, what is your goal will dictate kind of everything else, Uh what is your goal and where are you starting from? Yeah. Will dictate like everything else from there. I always ask people a very simple two-part question. What do you want and how fast do you want it? Exactly. Because that's going to really determine the protocols. Obviously, meeting someone where they're at is the jumping off point for that. So if you're someone who's never really trained before or never ever trained hard before, never been exposed to compound functional mm -hmm. movements or serious hypertrophy training... Definitely jumping into a robust voluminous program is not setting yourself up for no. success. And typically, I'll recommend that when people maybe just like are getting into training for the first time to start just with a simple like three day a week split, right? Yes. So three times, hour a day, 45 minutes to an hour. Yeah, um, you max give an them, hour I think to start like 30, it, 45 minutes. It's important to give them room to grow. It's important to, um, you know, give them the time and opportunity to heal because if you've never trained before mm -hmm. or you've never trained a specific way before, you're gonna be sore. And it also offers them the opportunity to feel successful yes. where they're not going to like feel like it's unachievable. Like I'm way yes. too sore to go. It's way too hard, but they have time in between just kind of meet them where they're at. Even from the time period of like, Hey, you're going to go in the gym. Let's start at 45 minutes, build it up to an hour. But soon thereafter, I think that, you know, if you are trying to make progress on any front, you have to be training at least three to five times a week. Yes. Some people we know train six times a week, but they have a lot of capacity and are very, very versed and veteran athletes. But I think just in terms of like how many days, mm -hmm. I think like three to five is the magic ticket for most people. What do you think on that, Kim? Yeah, I, I agree. I think three to five is 
especially when it comes to developing musculature and like trying to put size on more than that i would not recommend yeah. and i think that's where like um people like go overboard and the the training volume and intensity is like more is not better like you really need to be conscious in how you're attacking a body part and like more importantly leave yourself room to recover so we can hit it like really hard again so what i like better to see when we talk about like uh, training volume frequency and intensity i want to hit something like really really hard like for example i'm gonna do leg day i want to like kind of destroy my leg have time to adapt and let my leg grow and then go again at it but if i'm doing a leg every day i'm just constantly like just breaking down the muscle not leaving it room to recover and grow so then i don't really have the adaptation i'm looking for if you think about it simply like what's the right formula is going to be the one that allows you to achieve the most amount of high quality intense training so yes. if training more reduces that intensity yep. that's not the right formula or if if um you know if, if you're training to a point where you're hitting the intensity, but you could be doing it one or two days more a week, well, absolutely try, yes. to, try to pursue that just to maximize each week to get the most, you're squeezing every drop of progress out of, uh, out of each week is the name of the game. So the number doesn't matter, mm -hmm. but your ability to maximize the results matter. And along that lines, a lot of people uh, may or may not be familiar with what we term as body part splits. Mm -hmm. It's like how often you're training a certain body part. And that can sometimes depend on the number of days that you're training. So if you're training, let's say, um, are we recording, Cam? Well, this one is. Okay. This happened again. All right, that's fine. Okay, we'll so we'll <laughs> Okay, so if you are training, let's say, three times a week, it probably makes sense to do almost like a mixed body part split where yes. maybe every day is like a total body day. So maybe you're training some lower body stuff and some upper body mm -hmm. stuff Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Yes. But, you know, it's not a full leg day any one day and it's not a full upper body day mm -hmm. any one day. You're just pulling a lot of muscle in to maximize the adaptation because you're only training three yeah, days. Yeah, super set with antagonist muscle are amazing mm -hmm. to like just really maximize your your time. So translate that a little bit, like the word antagonist, what does that mean? It's like opposite muscle. So okay. if you do like a, a squat and bicep curl, like it's a good combo right, because so like they don't a push with affect, a pull, yeah, an upper with a lower, yes. okay. Yes. Yep. So the, the opposite, pretty much, um, has just been shown to like not uh, um, affect the training efficiency, but it helps with time. Yep. So you get more work in less time, and you still get pretty much the same result that if you were like splitting those body parts aside, like on their own. So that would be a three-day-a-week split. A four-day-a-week split, typically, I really like this kind of split for people trying to gain as much muscle mass as fast as possible, mm -hmm. because I feel like this split allows you to hit muscle groups twice a week, but it also maximizes your recovery. So a, a formula I like to use with this is like, let's say, Monday is leg day, Tuesday is like a total, uh, you know, a, a total upper body day, mm -hmm. so push and pull, bicep, yep. tricep, shoulder, back, all that stuff on Tuesday, and then we'll repeat it again, you know, uh, maybe a rest day on Wednesday, mm -hmm. Thursday might be legs again, and then Friday's another push-pull upper body day. Yeah. So all your muscle groups are getting touched twice a week, but there's also, you know, in, in a four-day split, you have three full days 
to just let your body heal yes. and recover. And I think this is the one where when people come to like Thunder Bro and they're like, I want to gain as much muscle mass mm -hmm. as fast as I can. That's the one I see people being the most successful with yeah. because they're able to maximize. And it's a great example of how in a lot of cases, less can be more. Yes. Yes. Let's, um, cause we just talked about like, I feel like we're both talking about that leg day. <laughs> like, <laughs> like we're like brutal. leg day on its own, leg day on its own. Let's talk about why we're doing a lot of the leg day more on its own. Like I, well, I that, well that would like, probably be like um, now that, that we're kind of getting to like maybe days that revolve around one specific body part, mm -hmm. right? So it's like it's leg day, it's chest day, it's back day. Now I think this correlates with like maybe more of like a five or six day week. Yes. Split. No, but what I'm saying is that. Um, we rarely, I mean, we'll do some accessory work with the leg day, but we rarely go like, like mixing like, like back and leg too much, like or shoulder and leg. Like we try to really like when I know when me and you program, we really try to like this, like it's its own whole thing. Yep. And I think it's because we attack like such big muscle and we crash the nervous system so hard in order to get that adaptation that it it's really not that much beneficial to like do a lot of like so let's just other like make this very simple it, for so. each other there's going to be a difference in training legs as hard as you can once a week versus training legs twice a week. You're not gonna yes. be able to hit them as hard yes. when you're training them twice a week because there isn't the same amount of recovery time yes. unless you're only hitting them for like less volume each day. Yes. So maybe days, some legs, we sometimes do things in our four day split where like one day is a more quad focused leg day, another day might be more hamstring yes. focused leg day. But the, the idea with that kind of split is just maximizing the amount of time we're touching muscle groups. So getting it twice yes. a week versus once a week and allowing for a lot of recovery in there. A five day a week split. Which is what I wanted you to kind of talk about was that idea of like being focused more on certain muscle groups yep. before doing more than once. Because what we see a lot of people out there is just they squat like three, five times a yeah. week. And that's and way too much. There's no, like, like, are you recovering enough? Well, like two it, things are happening. One, they're probably not when they are lifting their legs, if they're doing it three times a week, it's probably not crazy, intense, hard mm -hmm. leg stuff where they're like limping out of the gym mm -hmm. and the, the tissue is really kind of damaged and it takes days and days to remodel. The second thing that's happening is maybe they're training it and they might even be training it kind of hard, but it never has the chance to adapt because there isn't that period of time in between to allow the tissue yeah. to heal and remodel and grow back thicker and uptake all the nutrients and do what it needs to do. In addition to just like the hormonal response, a hard leg day mm -hmm. really is about total body growth. Yes. So like when you train your legs hard, it's not just your legs that yes. are growing, but there's a systemic effect, especially the hormones you're stimulating with volumous heavy loading and large muscle groups like you yes. have in your legs to be able to really increase the size of your upper body and your mm -hmm. total body strength by having those really hard ones. Now, the four day a week split, I like it for the size component, but one thing I see is that people who just always train that day, just they tend to be less, less conditioned, yes. right? They tend to have uh, their body composition isn't quite as tight because they don't have that regular frequency and volume every day. So in a five day a week Which split, makes sense because for four days a week, your overall energy expenditure through like the whole week is, is lower. Yep. <laughs> You're like not under tension or like moving or 
you know, doing things as much. You may find yourself in like a three or four day a week split having longer sessions. So maybe it's closer to like 90 minutes in yeah. those sessions. And if you're training every day, maybe it's just like a little bit north of an hour. Um, mm -hmm. Just, you know, because you don't need to really spend as much time in there. And being specialized with body parts, it allows you to really just get into the tissue you're trying to develop, right? Like we're gonna hit the back from every angle, high yes. pulls, low pulls, hinges, pull downs, single arm work, yes. like you can add, you can hit it from every possible place to the point where you've really just cashed out that muscle. Now you got another almost a full week before you're gonna mm -hmm. hit it like that again. And that's where I see uh, it's great for like avoiding injury yeah. because you give that athlete the time. Like I know for my left shoulder, when I have like a hard and heavy pressing day, it doesn't feel right for yes. almost another week to the yeah. point where I'm like confident to hold on to hundreds yeah. and hundreds of pounds and really push. Um, so, you know, on that note, we're talking about time. Uh, how are we tracking the time for this podcast? Because we only have 30 minutes. I have no idea how in long In our mind. Going. In our mind. Okay, so we'll just know. Um, hopefully, we can look at I the think phone. it'll be a little longer, <laughs> but it's fine. Okay. Um, oh, yeah, that's fine because we're not even posting it on Anchor. Are well, we, we will, but we'll have to do two. Um, we'll, yeah, we'll just take the audio out of the YouTube. Okay. Um, um, so let's now take, it's been about uh, probably over 10 minutes talking yeah, about that. I think. Let's, um, let's just really quickly just speak, and I think we've been alluding to it on just the intensity. Obviously, like you meet an athlete where they're at in terms of their intensity, but the idea is to build that intensity yes. over time. So that's another factor in terms of just this concept, and some people term it as like progressive overload. Well, it's kind of like that, but it's not. You want to see capacity and intensity building over yeah. time to where you're able to express the highest amount of intensity most frequently and see that slowly build, right? Yes. So an example, you know, we're doing leg day this week. We're doing our Tom Platt's complex, which is this like nine set monster complex. And a lot of people know that when they get to set seven, eight, and nine, they're doing their heavy eight reps. Maybe they did it at 350 pounds. Next time they do it, they want to do 365 yes. or they see the weights going up, the time's going down and, and overall kind of seeing a slow increase. Doesn't have to be a yes. lot really fast, but things should always be moving, moving up. up. Yeah. Which is where it's so important uh, thinking about like more on the frequency side. Mm -hmm. Like you should be doing things and repeat things enough that you are moving the needle in the right direction. If there's too much variants and are not enough that's when things get like a little out of whack and based on your so goals doing things again is a great thing yep. <laughs> you can track it but hitting like uh, you know your legs like five times a week all doing the same type of movement well you're kind of placing yourself in a position to not maximize the output and also maybe um be more prone to injure something yeah you want to like stack the deck in your favor i say that a lot but it's like let's put everything we can to try to ensure your probability of success yes. to, you know in your favor to reduce the chance for any kind of hiccups and then finally like with regard to the frequency i often think about this in terms of the athlete's goals like if you're an athlete who's trying to improve your body composition maybe you're trying to cut down lose some weight or just cut body fat in general your frequency will go up you'll yes. have cardio sessions you'll have you know, weightlifting sessions, but the volume and frequency tends to go up. Whereas when it comes to gaining muscle mass, typically if that's exclusively what we're after. Sometimes we see the volume and the frequency actually go down yes. as the example of that yes. four day split. Let's talk about sleep hygiene. Yes. The thing that I have not had for the past two years and I cannot tell how 
opening eye opening has been to uh, see all the terrible effect of no sleep. <laughs> what is sleep not sleeping well going to do to you, or what does good sleep do for you? Well, one. Um, you know, it, it's going to help you age better. Okay. It's yes. going to help your hormones recover. It's going to improve your body's internal chemistry. It's going to help your cognitive function. It's going to reduce your chance of injury. If you're getting good, reduce restful your, sleep. Uh, increase uh, your insulin sensitivity, your immune system, your cancer fighting abilities. Um, you know, all these things related to your health, your wellness in a pretty strong, impactful way. We were looking at statistics with where even getting a little bit less than a good amount of sleep can drastically start to impact yes. your health, uh, your emotional state, yep. all kinds of things. So the bottom line is, you, if you wanna live your best life, you gotta get good, deep, restful sleep. It's not just about the amount of time, it's but it's how, also about the quality of yes. that sleep. So general guidelines we see for people are usually between eight and 10 hours. It depends, you know, if you have a mm -hmm. crazy high training volume, maybe you need a little bit more sleep. Mm -hmm. uh, some people have different circadian rhythms and just, yeah, you know, Yeah, I know this with me, 10, I'm like, it goes against me. Exactly, you're eight, just forcing eight. yourself to try to stay in the bed. Yeah, um, but I'm saying like, I, I just don't see the benefit for me with 10, but eight is a good number. For yeah, me. so I think anywhere in that range is probably a decent amount of time, and then the quality of that sleep is really important. Yes. If you are getting up multiple times a night to go to the bathroom, if you're kind of aware of everything that's going on in the room, easy to wake up, um, that's probably not a lot of good mm -hmm. deep restful sleep. So you wanna see if you can maximize your ability to do that. Yeah. And luckily there are things that a lot of people can do with regard to how they prepare to go to sleep, the environment they create in their bedroom to be able to maximize this. So let's first start uh, talking a bit about like circadian rhythms. And these are the rhythms at which your body naturally wants to go to bed yes. and wake up. Throughout the day, as soon as you wake up, as your brain is heating up and mm -hmm. doing work and you're working, it's slowly building up a chemical called adenosine. And adenosine is what makes you feel sleepy. For those of you guys who drink caffeine, caffeine actually reduces adenosine. So, you know, uh, having a cup of coffee in the morning is a great way to wake yourself up because adenosine mm -hmm. will go down if it still hasn't been cleared out through the whole night's sleep. As soon as you start to sleep, adenosine starts to decline. Yes. But, you know, what you do around these natural rhythms and the buildup of this chemical can drastically affect when and how you sleep. Yeah. And one of the best thing, uh, to kind of like set that the circadian rhythm yep. is get some um, daylight as soon as you wake up. Yeah, I mean, humans naturally, genetically, are just kind of programmed for you know years of our genetic evolution mm -hmm. to wake up when the sun comes up, go yes. to sleep when the sun comes down. Unfortunately, with miracles of modern technology, a lot of us aren't doing that. Yes. We're waking up and going to sleep at really odd hours, which can mess things up. Some people are night owls, meaning they naturally just stay up a little later. Mm -hmm. Maybe they go to sleep closer to like 10 or maybe even 11. Which is some, okay. Some people are, what do they call them, early birds, where they're early That's to rise, me. but they want to get to bed at like eight or nine o'clock at night. Everyone's different. Some people are like a little bit of both hybrids. I don't know. But the point is regularity is going to be your yes, friend. So having a, a set bedtime, a yeah. set wake time is going to be really, really helpful just for you being able to kind of control all the variables. And what you do before bed can drastically affect how well and how deep you're sleeping. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about first thing, caffeine. Caffeine has about a five hour half-life, which means that like if you drink a cup of coffee at five o'clock p.m. That means that half of the uh, available caffeine is still available at 10 p.m. So if I have a 300 milligram cup of pre-workout at five, 
um, you know, of, of like, you know, the, the, the whatever, NO Explode. Oh, or, it has a five-hour half-life. A five-hour okay. half-life. A half-life. So still <laughs> okay. half is available, yeah, right? A... So if I have 300 milligrams of caffeine at five during my workout, by the time I go to bed at 10, I still got 150 milligrams of caffeine, yes. which is going to actually, again, like interrupt the, the adenosine, the things that make you feel sleepy. So it's a generally a good idea to like not have caffeine maybe after like three or just try to reduce it yes. so you can get better sleep. Um, the other stuff is like what we're talking about with light. You know, the amount of light that enters your eye tricks your brain into mm -hmm. understanding what time of day it is. So if you're constantly like looking at screens, um, watching TV, on the tablet, on the cell phone. Or not having uh, good uh, window coverage. Got, yeah, not good window yeah, coverage. Your room should be dark. Your brain's going to think it's still daytime. It's not going to want to go to sleep. So maybe an hour before bed, starting to reduce like fluorescent lights, reduce the lights mm -hmm. from your computer. Uh, I know I wear like blue light glasses now, but the more you can kind of create like a dimmer environment, they make these awesome. Yeah, if you have a dimmer light, you really want to use that, then start to dim everything in the house. So everyone's brain is like getting towards it's the, getting the light is Isn't going, it nice? It starts feeling yes. really calm. They make these really cool. Like, I don't know if you noticed that I do that. Yeah, that no, I it's a great idea. She's always asking me, can you turn the lights down? Even though we are kind of watching TV, but anyways, <laughs> um, they make these awesome salt lights that are like, um, create, I don't know what it's actually called. It's a specific, specific type of light, but if you just put salt light in, yes. it's like a big salt crystal that puts out this very soothing like kind of it. light. Um, that's great for that. Um, and then like reducing the stimulation. So maybe instead of like watching TV, uh, or, you know, whatever, Read a book, re okay. reading a book, doing some meditation, some yoga, mm -hmm. something to kind of help calm you down. Um, and then setting that environment so that when you are ready to sleep one, it's very, very dark. Yes. So let's start there. You want to reduce any light in your room. So night lights, uh, you know, light coming in from doors and windows, getting things like blackout curtains, putting some stuff under the, the base of the door sometimes can really, really help that just to create a pitch black environment. When that happens, you know, when we're in like a really dark room, I know that I am like comatose. Oh, it's, yeah. it's a time it's machine. The best. I don't yeah. know what happened. I just wake up and I'm like, how is it morning? I think um, also the other thing like to add on into all of those great things to do for sleep is that your bed should be used for two things. It should mm -hmm. be used to sleep yeah. and for sex. Mm -hmm. And that's it. Mostly for sex. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. But if you're like the type of person who stay in your bed to like work or like watch TV or this and that, now you're kind of creating this environment that like your your bed becomes this like entertainment zone. And it should really be like like for sleep and for expressing love with your partner. And that's like, that's it. So, so when you go to bed, your like brain is used to go in this, this like, is, this is it's for bed. time. Yeah, exactly. Very rarely do I go and sit on the toilet to do anything except like take a shit. <laughs> like, well, so. I don't know what you do on the toilet, but sometimes you uh -oh. stay there for really uh, long. Yeah. But, um, you know, on that note, sometimes I see uh, certain people eating in the bed, right? And so let's talk a little bit about food and what that <laughs> means related to, to bedtime. So another physiological thing that occurs when you go to sleep is, you know, your brain needs to kind of shut down, power down and rest, reduce the electric activity. Those, you know, uh, brain waves start to actually sync up with each other for a good deep sleep. But also your gut starts to shut down and rest yeah. a little bit too. So your gut has to like chill and heal. And so what you don't want to do is task your body into processing high amounts of food right before you go to bed because number one, it doesn't want to do that. But number two, that can really keep you up at night. Yeah, and your so body's still working. It can lead to poor digestion. It can make it really, really challenging. So if you are going to have large meals, try to position them 
at least two or three hours before you go to bed. Yeah. And ideally, it would make sense to maybe eat a big meal and then maybe go on a walk or do some activity to kind of help that stuff process. And if you do need something before bed, keep it light. I know you see me do this every night, but I'll have just some like light pancakes. Right, so it's not heavy, but it's just like a light snack. And Which when I say a light snack, it's like me. five <laughs> stacks of pancakes with frosting. And just, but no, it, it to me for that, you it's not that much. For to, me, it would be a yeah. lot. Yeah, to me, it's like it's a huge difference in eating some pancakes versus eating what I would normally eat, like steak and eggs. Yeah. That would sit really heavy in my stomach, and and I would wake up with like poor digestion the next morning. So make sure that you're kind of pushing the food back or keeping the snacks nice and light. Of course, you want to have enough. I think food. like that two hour uh, window before bed is also i feel like the health benefit that comes from it are just like incredible yeah. because that will most likely be able to put you in some sort of like fasting in the morning where like you have enough space between your meal yep. to make sure that you become in this catabolic state it's so great you start for like to building insulin sensitivity yep. right so you're not spiking your blood yep. sugar or, or like getting up in the middle of the night and eating which really I good know. for your hormones really good for your digestion just really good to kind of have this like nighttime reset every day so, and then put enough room between those meal so you can like be more sensitive. To so we're going to talk about like the big three here. Okay. So we got light. Okay. Reducing the light. Second thing, sound. Okay. You want to make sure that there's nothing that's going to wake you up uh, or, or even what's even better is putting in some ambient sound to drown things out. Uh, and we use some apps to do this. One is called the Brainwave app, mm -hmm. which actually um, plays these biurnal beats on top of like, you know, maybe it's like rain or like a washing machine or like, it's something that's kind of like, just make you, you can't really hear anything. It's just soothing and puts you right to sleep. But the sound can be really important yes. and reducing that sound so nothing is going to jar you or wake you up is a good one too. If you have a, a partner that snores like me, what you can do is you can just leave the room. Yes. Okay, came out. <laughs> <laughs> or, um, well, I've used some stuff for snoring. Like I've used the breather right strips that helps a little bit. Sleeping on my side helps a little bit, but I think really if you do have what I'm kind you of should get a sleep apnea. It's yeah. a little sleep apnea from a lot of muscle mass in the upper body. The sleep apnea mass makes the Okay, sense. what's number three? Number three. So we got light, we got sound, biggest one, and this is Cam and I argue this over time, temperature. You need to make it No, no, no. We cold. don't argue about this. It's just that your... You, she thinks my temperature Your is too low. Your standard of cold is freaking insane. So man. if you look at what is recommended for good deep sleep, it's 62 to 65 degrees. So I'm getting complaints at 66. Yeah, because I get but sick. Yeah? And but that's not helpful. That's why you want like a nice big thick comforter to kind of wrap yourself up. But what this I is like doing 68. is one, your body temperature is going to rise when you go to sleep. <laughs> Two, it's great for eliciting a hormone that's going to help you from going to the bathroom in the yes. middle of the night. So making it cold helps uh, the production of this hormone that actually keeps you from going to pee all the time. That's a really important one. So you're not getting up two, three times a night to you know go urinate. And yes, you might want to like maybe reduce the water intake as you get closer yes. to bed so you're not have a full bladder. But um, these are all things that can be really helpful. And then the final Lastly, one. Lastly, yes. Yep, this is the best, Lastly, most fun one. This is the one that has changed my life. Getting some little gummy help little is something. pretty amazing to shut down the brain and the anxiety and like get you. Can we just call it sleep cool. supplements? 
Yeah. Sleep supplements. So people may be familiar with um, ZMA, zinc and magnesium supplements, melatonin, that's one, but the one that... See, I tried those and they have not, not much. done much for me. I didn't feel much but melatonin the, or anything. Um, the gummies from Cured... Mm -hmm. So let's talk about oh, like boy, oh, why. Boy. Okay, one, um, so THC, marijuana, uh, that's the psychoactive component of, of the marijuana plant. Um, there are different strains of it. There's one called Indica. Indica is great for getting to sleep or putting yourself to sleep. It makes you feel really, really sleepy, nice and relaxed, mm -hmm. ready to get to bed. The THC is important for getting to sleep. Yes. But it doesn't keep you asleep. doesn't keep you asleep. And that's, that's, where, that's where people... Um, that's where people don't take the right they thing. They don't take the right thing. that they'll do the THC. the THC. Sometimes they wake up more awake. Yes. Yep. Um, but so, the THC will help you feel like, you know, they should have done everything, makes you feel sleepy and smooth, but then the CBD I will, I will, will keep you. Before we get CBD, I think the THC is also good for like calming you the fuck down. Yeah, for like, you, yeah. Dave is so intense. I'm crazy like intense. Like it gets like, scary sometimes. I'm working all day long, then I go to the gym, then I go back to work, <laughs> and I'm thinking about everything I need to do the next day. Actually, making a list of everything you do that need to do the next day has helped me just relax my brain mm -hmm. in addition to like the THC. And the CBD, like you're saying, is what actually helps keep you into deep restful yes. sleep. So you need a combination of the two. And you can do any kind of combination. We usually like microdose the THC and usually yes. do anywhere from 20 to like 100 milligrams of the yes. CBD. But there's a company that we work with that is amazing. They make yeah, the best they, edibles yeah. ever. And why they edibles, the why, why so edibles versus like smoking? Oh, because I want to keep my lungs healthy. Yeah, like my smoking is just not good for your I lungs, like no matter idea. what. Smoking okay? anything is just not a great And idea. also when it comes to um, like supplementation like this, I want to know exactly how it's much I'm getting. Kind of stuff, yeah. Yeah. So if you're like smoking, like it's hard to track like how big that puff, big puff was, was yeah. or not, you know? Okay, so um, then the company we... And also if you start coughing, it, it's a dilate everything, so you absorb more, so it's just, it's just really hard to track. And I'm way too analytical yeah. to not track. <laughs> that gives me anxiety. <laughs> so the company we work with is called Cured Nutrition. My favorite sleep product they do is called the Nightcap, so that's a combination yeah. of THC and CBN. Yes. which is amazing for like getting and staying into deep sleep. Yeah. And then they also make these Zen, Zen capsules. So they're like, the, the nightcaps are like little pills. In each nightcap, there's 1.6 milligrams of THC and I think like 20 milligrams of CBN. Mm -hmm. So depending, everyone's different sensitivities to THC. Cammy might take three pills and feel like she's on another planet. I, I might take six and only feel like a little bit altered. So you gotta find the right effective dose for yourself. Mm -hmm. um, but um, the, the Zen is also, I wanna pull out, but it has, it has a combination of like really relaxing mushrooms and adaptogens yes. and things like that. Yep. To help you just completely chill out into deep sleep. So the combination of those two is our best recommended sleep protocol. Well, I think that like, I mean, I can't say enough good thing about Cured, but they've made their research. And what I think is so fantastic about their product is that it, it feels like they just got the quantity of each thing yep. so dialed in to like really promote and maximize the effect of everything in like just the perfect way. The bottom just line is like- Just enough microdosing of THC to get, get you calm. 
and then the CBN kick in, and you're just you just have the best night of sleep. It's, it's the amazing. right amount. It's got to be the right amount of the right stuff. Yes. It's not enough just to say like, hey, there's this in there, but it has to be like high quality, and it needs to be dosed properly. Yeah, which and is so amazing. They do a great job of that. Obviously, being based in Colorado, they have access to like the best, you know, yes. marijuana farming and all the good stuff out there. It makes it such a great industry to thrive in a state where it's legalized. But if all you're right. in a state that's not legalized. Oh yeah, um, they ship across state, they which ship is across amazing. Line. So all this which stuff is why we is also recommend legal. this company. Yeah. it's way better than even though the THC is microdosed, the... it's still within the realm of the point three uh, percent uh, based yes. on total weight. So a lot of the stuff they make might be like a little bit heavier, but also contains the good yeah, stuff in smart. the THC. They so went around that, really smart, really great stuff. You can find the link for them in in our bio. I'll yeah. put the link on this YouTube um, video too. Cool. So that's it. That's all we got for you guys. Hope you enjoyed this episode seven of our Love and Thunder podcast. Send us um, in the comment. Please send us like the things you want us to talk about. Any topics you want Literally to hear. Literally anything. We'll talk about throw it. Throw it in there. We'll make sure to do uh, the appropriate research to awesome. uh, help you out. Nice job. Back in the hand slap. Boop. Bam. See you later. And done.